Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Ayin Bet. We've been talking about the geography of Bavel and its borders for the purpose of knowing the genealogy, because we established that the genealogy of the uh, most people who live in Bavel are is good, right? You can assume that they have good genealogy. Um, but where exactly are the borders that if you live in such a place um, that you are considered ha- to have good gen- good genealogy? Uh, we continue this discussion. Amara Papa, the says the disagreement regarding the border that we saw before between Rav and Shemuel um, that that is, has to do with lineage also applies to divorce when someone brings a get from other countries to Eretz Yisrael, they have to say uh, to make sure it was written and signed properly for the sake of this particular woman. And um, in other countries, they may not know that. They may make a mistake. So he has to say, I was there, I saw it signed, and it was for this particular woman. However, if it comes from Bavel, Bavel, they know this thing. So you don't have to say that statement if it comes from Bavel. So what is considered within Bavel? Well, the same definition um, uh, uh, that we have for Yochasin. And so whether you whether you follow it up or Shemuel, um, the, for the northern border, whatever you say regarding lineage will apply also to a get that comes from that place. Rav Yosef says, no, the Machloket is only regarding your Hasin, but regarding a get, the, uh, the, uh, the place is until the second lake of the bridge, which is from Shemuel's opinion. Uh, so Rami Bar Abba says that a place called Havel Yama is like the like the best, just like Techelet, you know, shines out at, um, uh, among all the um, uh, the, the white strings. Uh, so too, Havel Yama is the best of the best within Bavel, the, the good lineage there, and within that uh, area, uh, Shunya and Gubya are the best of the best of the of Chavel Yamas. So that's like the cream of the crop. If someone's from there, they're really careful and they have good lineage. Davina Amad Sisora. Davinas is also this place, Sisora. Tanyanda Mehachi. Hanan ben Pinchas Amel. Chavel Yama Techelta de Babel. Shunya Vigubya Vesisora Techelta de Chavel Yama. This statement by Amoraim is uh, also backed up by a Baraita that says the very same thing. Amad Papa. Papa says, yeah, that was back then, but nowadays Samaritans have joined in and married into them, and that's not good. Samaritans are not Jewish. And so their lineage is not so good anymore. Velahi, but then even a later voice of the stam of the Gemara says, what a papa said is not true. It is true that one time a Samaritan guy came and he wanted to marry one of the women that lived there, the Jewish woman, but the community did not let her. So they kicked out that Samaritan and it was not a problem. So Papa's statement was based on that, that incident, but actually the incident was not a problem. And so the lineage of the people there is very, very good. Where is Chavel Yama? Chavel Yama is the Euphrates near Bursi. Now we have a fun story. Some guy came and said, I'm from a place called Shot Mishot. 
אמר רבי יצחק נפחה על רגליו ואמר שוט משוט בן הרות עומדת. רבי יצחק נפחה stands up on his feet and says שוט משוט that's between the two rivers. So he says oh I know that place I have, uh, I have something important to say about that. You know, everybody's like uh, sitting around like oh where is that? What's that place? Is it good? Is it bad? He says yes uh, he's very adamant about this. Uh, to make a, he wants to make a stand about it. So yes, uh, it's uh, between the two rivers. Now, what does that mean? Is that good or bad? So what is between the two rivers? So he explains that uh, statement that says, um, between the two rivers is like exile for Yochasin, which is good. That means it's like Bavel. So he's standing up. When he stood up and said that, he says, oh, that place is good. This guy is of good lineage. He wanted to make uh, clear that everybody knows that. Now, where is this place exactly? I know it's between the two rivers, but, you know, how, how far north or south? It's from Dekira and northward of that spot. Hold on, Yochanan said that the border is uh, the crossing at Gizma, uh, no further, and this is further north of that. Abbe explains that there's a strip that ex- extends uh, past uh, um, th- th- that spot and goes further up, and that spot also is, uh, is okay. And so that's why it's, uh, you know, even though it's technically past the border, but there's a strip that goes more, and uh, the pla- places within that strip are also of good lineage. So in the name of Rav, they said that this place, Chilazon Nihwand, is like the, ex- like the exile, meaning good lineage. But Abaye says, do not believe this tradition of Rav Ika. Now Rav Ika, Baravin, he said it in the name of Rav, he said it in the name of Rav Hananel, who said it in the name of Rav. But Abaye says, uh, don't trust the statement, the tradition that Rav Ika is telling you. Why? Because he said it for his own self-interest. This is a very strong uh, uh, accusation that there was a Yevama that fell to Rav Ika who was there. And Rav Ika wanted to marry her. So his brother died without children. And his brother, that brother's who died's wife is from this, uh, this place, Chilazon Nivand. And he wanted to marry her, and that's why he's saying it's permitted. But actually, Ravika, he's accusing Ravika of making up this tradition, and Rav never said anything like that. Ravika says, you think I made it up? I didn't make it up, I heard it from Rav Hananel. And so they went and asked Rav Hananel, did you really say this? And he said, yes indeed, that place is like Gola and it's good lineage. So that was just a, this was a false accusation. However, it is, uh, uh, maybe this is why it was so contentious, uh, because this does disagree with what Rabbi Abba Barkana said. Rabbi Abba Barkana, referring to the ten tribes of uh, of the north that got sent to many places and they don't have good lineage. And so it mentions all these cities. Now, where are these? Halach zo chilazon, habor zo hadyab. 
Gnehad Gozan, Zo Ginzak, Adem Madai, Zo Hamdan, Ve Habroteha. And so one of them is this Chilazon. And you see that these are negative places and are not good. Famrila, Zo Nihavan, Ve Habroteha. And the last one, uh, they say, some say it's uh, Hamdan and Habroteha. Others say it's Nihavan and Habroteha. So we see that here, both Chilazon and Nihavan are in the negative uh, category. So you see that this tradition argues with the previous one that said it was good. Now, my Chabroteha, where are these places? I mean, say Nihavan and its surroundings. Amar Shemuel, Kedach Mushche, Choske, Verumke. Shemuel said it's talking about this, these places here. Um, uh, we're interested in the Mushche one. It's part of Nihavan and its surrounding areas, which are therefore not good, according to this tradition. Amar Biochanan, Vichulam, Lifsul. And Biochanan says, yes, these are all bad places. Now, Kasal Kadatea, Right now, we're assuming that when it says Mushche, that's the same thing as Mushkane. But this is a problem. In the name of Shemuel, they said that Mushkane is a good place. And here, uh, Shemuel identified one of the bad places of Nirvan and Chavroteha as Mushche. So this, over here, Shemuel says it's not good. Over here, Shemuel says it's good. Oh, now we see that actually these places sound the same, but they're actually different places. And Mushche is not a good place. Lineage is bad, whereas in Mushkane, the lineage is good. Now, in Daniel, talks about the various uh, uh, kingdoms that will arise and, um, and be uh, uh, over, uh, over Israel. And uh, one of them is the, uh, a bear. And the bear is described that it has three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. So we're going to want to know why, and this is, relates to these places, so we're going to know why is it described in that way. What are the three uh, ribs in, this, in, the, in, the, in the mouth of the bear? It's, it's these places that we just mentioned, one of them. That sometimes the bear swallows it and sometimes it spits it out. This represent the bear represents the Persians, and sometimes the Persian uh, Empire um, uh, grabs on to these cities and brings them into the Persian Empire. But they're right on the border between Persia and Rome, and so Rome would constantly push back and uh, make war in those places and take those cities back. So Persia had to let them had to discharge them, and uh, this was there was constant wars between the Rome and Persia, and these would be. Um, right on the border, and so that's what it represents. Now, the beginning of the Pasuk that we just quoted uh, introduces the spare as saying that there was a second beast and it looked like a bear. Now, so this is Persia. Why? The Persians, they eat and drink a lot like a bear do. They're fat like bears. They're, they're hairy like bears. And they have no rest like bears. Bears are constantly moving. They don't rest. 
and that's the Persians also, always on the move, always active. When Rabbi Ameh saw a Persian riding on an animal, he would say, that's a bear on the move. Rabbi Levi says, describe to me, what does a Persian look like? He said, they look like the soldiers of the house of David, who were known to be very mighty and strong. That's the Persians. Uh, the Chabarin were the Zoroastrian priests. That was the dominant religion in, uh, in, in, uh, in Persia. And he says they look like angels of destruction. These priests, they were up to no good. They would often bother the Jews. Um, they didn't, they believe that the earth is holy and you can't bury dead in the, uh, in the earth. And so they would go around and they would, uh, uh dig up Jewish graves, um, and bother the Jews in other ways. So they're always destroying. Had any Ishmaelim, show me the Ishmaelim, the Arab nomadic, uh, tribes. They're like demons in the outhouse. House. Uh, they go to the outhouse. It's um, uh, um, they they thought that there were demons in the outhouse. Why they think that? Well, there's all kinds of diseases and and smells and really bad stuff at the outhouse, and so. Uh, they interpreted that as demons, and that's what the Ishmaelim are like. No good. Describe to me how the sages in Babel, and he says, Oh, they are like angels. When the Biudanasi was dying, he said, There's a place called Homanian Babel, and those people are Ammonites. No good. See, this is probably one of the secrets that he had. And you know, just like we saw before, the rabbis did not want to say these secrets about lineage um, uh, and publicize it, but they taught their students only once in a while. So before he dies, it's like, listen, you need to know about they have something about those people. All the people there are mamzerim. There's um, birka. Uh, a place called Birka and Babel, and there's two brothers who live there, and they swap wives, and therefore their sons are not their own, they're Mamzerim. There's a place called Birta uh, Satya in Babel, and they turned away from Hashem. What, what happened? There was a ditch filled with with fish and it overflowed. Now, if a, a, a water, a bottle of water with fish overflows, all the all the fish go out onto the floor, and so now they're all going to die if you just leave them there. And they're you know you can't they're not going to get back in, not on their own anyway. So they're all going to die. This is a good opportunity for everybody to come and take the fish and take them home so they could eat them. So everybody, everybody would go and catch the fish and the people, but it was Shabbat. So the people went and they, and they trapped the fish, which is against Shabbat, even though it's a uh, uh, easy catch and it's free dinner, but still it's not permitted. They went and did that. And uh, to be a high, put them in to ex excommunicated them. And they all became apostates. They were, well, they were, you know, not so, so Shomer Shabbat in the first place. And then he kicked them out of the community and they, uh, they left the religion. And Rabbi on his deathbed also said, 
um, that there's a place called Akrad Agma in Babel. This is he's in 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 Israel, but he's telling he's letting him know. Listen, there's a important thing going on in Babel. He's able to know this, uh, and Ada uh, Barahava is there. Hayom Abraham, who is in, put, sitting in the lap of Abraham, meaning he's getting a brit milah. Uh, that means he was eight days old, so he's eventually going to become a great rabbi. He's letting you know. Listen, there's a great rabbi that. Just got his Brit Milah today. He's, he's not a great rabbi yet. He's going to grow up to be one. Hayom nolad Rav Yehuda be'Bavel, and furthermore Rav Yehuda, who we saw a few times already, Rav Yehuda Barichiskel, greatest sage of the second generation of Amoraim, a student of Rav and Shemuel. Um, he was born today, same day that Rabbi Yehuda Nasi died. Rav was born in Bavel, and so to be uh, says all these things prophetically on his deathbed. Damar mor keshemet Rabbi Akiva nolad Rabbi keshemet Rabbi. Um, as uh, the master said, when Rabbi Akiva died, Rabbi Udanasi was born. Now that skips a generation. Rabbi Akiva's third generation, Rabbi is fifth. Right, but uh, with, we're not. But the generations follow master and student, which the student has to be already, you know, at least a teenager, twenties and thirties, um, to, and uh, uh, learn from the master. Um, so here we're skipping a generation because it's the day of death, the day of birth of the next one. But the point is that the world will not be without a great sage at any time. And so as soon as the greatest of his generation, Rabbi Akiva, dies, Rabbi Yudanasi is born when he died. Rav Yuda was born. And when Rav Yuda died, Rava was born. And when Rava died, Rav Asher was born. That again skips a generation of us fourth and Rav Asher sixth generation. And this teaches us that a Sadiq is not, uh, doesn't die from the world unless uh, uh, and until um, a, uh, another Sadiq is created, is born, on, uh, with the same stature. As it says, the sun rises and the sun sets. First, uh, a, a, a new sun will rise, a new Sadiq will rise, and only then a, uh, the previous Sadiq will die. So the very day before or before the bee died, um, that's um, Rav Yehuda was born, and so on for the rest. Another example is before the light, the sun of Eli, the sun, S-U-N, the, the, the shining of Eli went out, um, the, the shining of Shemuel came up. That's the sun rising. Um, as it says that the light of Hashem, referring metaphorically to the prophecy and leadership in the world, before Eli, Eli's went out, Shemuel was already there and he was lying in the temple and he heard prophecy and so Shemuel was on the rise. Siva Adonai Sarav. We're going Pasuk in Echa that says Hashem commanded that Yaakov will have enemies all around him. Uh, relevant for our days, we see Israel coming under attack from all different directions. So there you go. This is this is um, uh, described in Echa as well. Rav So Rav Yehuda says, um, for example, Homanya, that's close to Pumnahara, a Jewish city. Pumnahara is a Jewish city. 
uh, but homanya is is enemies. This refers back to what we said before that homanya is amon, that the people in homanya are Ammonites, they're no good. That's what we started this with. The bee's first thing on his deathbed said homanya is uh, are, are the people in homanya are Ammonites. So uh, Davi Yudah brings a source for it in this pasuk. Now we're going to begin a long discussion of who this Pelatyahu fellow is. This is going to be related to some a statement of Shemuel that we saw earlier. Shemuel said that Mushkani is a good place. The people have good lineage there. All right, how does this relate to Mushkani? You'll see as we go along. So this is from Yechezkel, who a, f- a few years before the destruction of the Bet Mikdash has a prophecy, and in the prophecy um, uh, he sees that Pelatyahu ben Benaya, this guy, died. And Yechezkel falls on his face and cries out, Whoa, O Hashem. So he seems to be upset that this guy, Pelatyahu ben Benaya, died. Now the question is, who is he? And why is Yechezkel upset? There's two opinions. Rav Shmuel, Shmuel, we don't know which is which. We're going to try to figure out which one is which. But one of them said that Pilatyahu was a good guy. And that's why he's crying because he died uh, early. And uh, the other said he was, Pilatyahu was a bad guy. And Yechizkel's crying that he had a peaceful death. He should have had a more violent death and be punished. Okay, the opinion that said Pilatyahu was a good guy and Yechazkel was sad because he died. It's because the following story happened that there was a governor of the area of Meshan. Meshan mentioned before. It's not, people, no one wants to be in Meshan. Not a good place. And this governor was the son-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. And son-in-law tells Muchanetz, I have a complaint. You uh, have many captives from all different places, and you haven't sent me any to 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 uh, serve me. Uh, in other words, these uh, are uh, talented talented people that you have taken captive from different places. You're keeping them all for yourself. Send me some talented advisors or workers and helpers to come over here. Because I, I, I want them also. You have to share. Uh, so Mulchadnez says, okay, I'll share. He was thinking, he'll send some Jews there. Uh, the Jews, you know, we see like Daniel and his friends, they were uh, advisors to Nebuchadnezzar. The Jews were useful for various things. So he said, okay, I'll send, I'll send my son-in-law some Jews. Pilatyahu was there, was a, uh, was a confidant of Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, listen, he said, don't send your best people to your son-in-law. We, we're, we're important. We're here. We serve you. We're, right, we're loyal to you. We help you out. Um, let, let, let us stay here. And, you know, to, for your son-in-law, send our slaves. Right? It's the son-in-law. So he's uh, harping on Nebuchadnezzar's own ego to say, no, keep the best for yourself. That's us. And send him the Jews. And he's in Meshan. So this was a... This was a good thing that Pilatyahu was able to save um, proper Jews from having to leave Bavel and go to Meshan, where, which is not a good place to be. So Pilatyahu is remembered for good. And that's why Yechazkel was uh, sad that this good person who saved Jews 
from having to be exile, exile from exile, um, he should die so young. Now, this is going to be relevant to us because um, the uh, according to this story, who went to Meshan? Uh, the slaves went to Meshan. Okay, keep that in mind. The one who says that this was a negative thing. This refers to another place in Yechezkel where um, Hashem brings Yechezkel up and, uh, and, and put, places him into the Bet HaMikdash and he sees uh, what's going on there in the eastern gate? There's uh, an, a, that faced eastward, um, and he sees the at the door. There's 25 men, and among them is uh, yeah, this guy Yaz Nanya, and the other guy Pilatyahu. That's our guy, and these were important people, princes of the people. What were they doing? This is a different place in Yechezkel, one's 11, one's 8, but it refers here also to 25 people. Hashem brought Yechezkel to the inner court, and at the door, between the portion and the altar, 25 men, so we're assuming it's the same people, and they had their backs towards the Hechal, and they were facing east. Facing east, that means they're facing the sun. Um, uh, if you're in the Bet HaMikdash, right, you sh- then you'd be facing, You generally, uh, when you're in the Bet HaMikdash, you're supposed to be facing west, um, uh, away from the sun. It's purposely d- done that way. When we go to the, to the western wall, we actually are facing east because we were facing the Bet HaMikdash because we're on the other side. Um, but the Bet HaMikdash is uh, the architecturally built so that when you're there, you're not facing the sun to show that we're not worshipping the sun. Our back should be toward the sun, and then your front will be towards the Hechal. These people did the opposite, put their backs to the Hechal and face the sun. These were sun worshippers. Now, we ask further, Since it already said that their faces are east, why does it have to say also that their um, backs were towards the west? Isn't that obvious? If they're facing east, then their backs are toward the west. So why does it have to say further that their backs were towards the Hechal? We know that's, that's towards the west. To add, not, that's not bad enough that they were worshipping the sun, but that they would expose their themselves from behind and they would uh, relieve themselves towards the Hamakom. So not only did they worship the sun, they did this despicable um, act um, that, uh, you know, uh, um, against Hashem. So these were really bad people. And Pilatyahu was one of these 25. So not good. And Yechezkel was sad and crying out because he got such a good deal that he got to die peacefully in his bed. He should have been punished worse. Okay, that's the two opinions. Now, who said which one? Uh, 
It must be that Shemuel is the one that said that Pilatiah was a bad guy, that he was turning his, his back towards the Hechal. Um, uh, Shemuel thinks that one is the correct one and not the first one that Pilatiah was a good guy and sent slaves to uh, Mishan. Um, why? Because here's what Shemuel said. Uh, we already saw the first part of it, that Mushkani is a good place, uh, lineage is good. And Shemuel said further that Mishan, we don't worry about the sla- that there are any slaves or Mamzerim there. Rather, the only problem with Mishan is that the Kohanim there um, are not careful regarding divorced women. They Kohanim marry divorcees. Therefore, their children, the Kohanim there, may be Halalim. You have to worry about that. But the, the, you don't have to worry about their, their, the lineage being back, going back to slaves. Now we see, so we see here that Shemuel says that Mishon, there are no slaves there. But according to the first version of the story, that Pilatiah was an advisor of Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, don't send Jews to Mishon, send slaves to Mishon. Well, according to that version, there are slaves in Mishon. So therefore, uh, Shemuel did not say the first version. He must have said the second version of the story, that Pilatiah was a bad guy and who was a sun worshiper. So, uh, is that true? Maybe not. Maybe Shemuel, in fact, said the first one. Pilatiah was a good guy. We can reconcile Shemuel even with the first one, even and and he could still say Mishon. The people currently there are good; they're not slaves because Shemuel also says that if someone. Uh, free uh, uh, renounces ownership of his slave, he gets his freedom. You don't have to write a get shichrut, a document that says, behold, you are free. If you just say, you know what, you're, uh, anyone can take this uh, evid, and uh, that is enough, and he gets his freedom. And so in this case where Nebuchadnezzar took these Jewish slaves and sent them to Mishon, so now they're no longer under the uh, under the authority of their Jewish owners because I mean, they're not there anymore. They're not under the physical possession of them. Now, how does Shemuel know that um, Hefked is the same as legal freedom for the slaves? Because the Pasuk, um, this is regarding uh, Korban Pesach, that you can only have Korban Pesach if your slaves are circumcised. And there it says, Eved Ish, Miknat Kasef. Now, why does it have to say a slave of a man, not the slave of a woman? The same would be true if a woman owns a slave. Rather, it means a slave that has that the owner has control over him. That's called an avid. But if the owner has no control over him, then that's not called an avid. And so, even though uh, a person who renounces ownership over a slave might uh, uh, um, uh, technically did not free the per- free the slave. But now the slave is running around. He has no no authority, no no possession of him. Same thing here. When the Bukhanesah sent these slaves to Mishan, by sending them there, these slaves no longer were under the possession and authority. The owners could not control them anymore. And that, therefore, they gained their legal freedom as well. Once they gain their legal freedom, they are free, free Jews. And so they, anyone who they marry is kosher, totally fine. And so even according to Shemuel, who says they originally were slaves, but since they were freed, 
Um, there, the lineage is totally fine. And now back to our Mishnah that said that the people in Bavel are good lineage. You can assume they're good. You don't even have to check it. Shemuel says something very important that this Mishnah is only the minority opinion of Rabbi Meir. However, the majority opinion of Chachamim says that the people, Jews, in all lands, you can assume that they are kosher unless you hear specifically otherwise. This is a huge, huge leniency, right? Standard Jew, you go find someone and you don't know anything uh, otherwise about them. You can assume hazaka that the family is kosher. Uh, permitted to marry a woman from this place which is not in Bavel. So in other words, he's following Chachamim. So Rav Asher says, what, what are you relying on? Are you relying on the statement that, that Shemuel said um, that all, all lands is Chazkat Kashrut? These three, these three, uh, right, that of Rav Kana and of Rav Papa and of Zevi, they do not say so. They do not agree with this. And they say, no, the halacha is that only Bavel is, has a good status, nowhere else. Even, nevertheless, Amemar did not accept uh, this criticism because he heard this tradition in the name of Rav Yudah, in the name of Shemuel, from Rav Zavid of Nehar De'ah. Shemuel is from Nehar De'ah. He's Rosh Hashivah Nehar De'ah. And so he trusted the tradition from Rav Zavid, Rav Zavid of Nehar De'ah more than, this is a different Rav Zavid, all these other ones. And so he permitted uh, someone from not from Bavel without uh, needing to check them. So you see the Bimeir who is stringent here, which is only Bavel is okay, is going to be stringent also in this Bachloket. This Tosefta says that Mamzerim and Netinim on the future are all going to be purified. There are going to be no problems, according to the Biyoseh. Vimeir says, not true. They're just like if there's a Mamzer that you know now, even in the in the end of days, there'll still be Mamzer. That family will still be Mamzerim or Netinim. says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean from all your cleanliness, from all the idols. From all your idols, uh, I will cleanse you, Hashem says. So you see, this is, uh, uh, this is not, uh, uh, literally, um, a water of a mikveh or, or, um, uh, paraduma, about ritual impurity. This is talking about more fundamental impurity, uh, meaning mamzerut. Rabbi Yosef says you're going to be cleansed of mamzerut. That's his interpretation. No, continue reading. It says, from all your tumot and your idols, meaning that we will no longer have the impurity of idols. But it's not, it doesn't say anything about Mamzerut, that will still be around. That's true, but keep reading on. Don't stop there. The end of the Pasuk says, that's adding something, a further purification, not only from idols, but also from Mamzerut. Pasuk Zechariah says, 
that there will be a mamzer in Ashdod, meaning that there's going to be a mamzerim in this area, and this is even in the end of days. So that makes sense according to Bimeir, that's still going to be. According to Bimeir, why would there still be a mamzer? You said they're all going to be purified. Uh, Rav Yosef explained it in a, a non-literal way that the Jewish people will dwell, will dwell in tranquility in their land um, and it will be like uh, the, they will be in tra- tra- tranquility and formerly these Jews who are now at peace were um, uh, like uh, Nochrim, were like strangers. Reading Mamzer, not as typical Mamzer, but rather Me'am Zad, Be'ashar Me'am Zad, Jews that were in other lands and had no peace and were uh, persecuted. Um, they will now live now in Ashdod and live in peace and everything will be good. That's how he interprets that Pasuk. Again, Shemuel is that said uh, up here, right? Everything's okay. Um, and uh, he follow, follows uh, who, who quoted this name, this um, uh, statement that Chachamim disagree with the Mishnah and they say everything's good. Shemuel further also said in this regard, in the future, there will be no mamzerim and no netinim. Amar of Yosef, ilav damar av Yehuda mashmal halacha kedu biyoseh hava atel yama pik minan saverane saverane kolarin. Rav Yosef says Shmuel said a big chidush here because if he did not say that halacha is like kedu biyoseh that there's no mamzerim in the future, if you follow the bimeir that there are mamzerim even in the future, when Eliyahu comes and he clarifies all the truths and all the reality about everything, he would have to remove. Groups and groups of people that are forbidden. Uh, kolad is like the English collar. This is a prisoner is put into a, coll- a, a yoke around their neck, right? And so you don't have no idea how many mamzerim there would be. Um, uh, thankfully, we follow halacha like Rabbi Yoseh, and so we don't have to worry about that in the future. Baruch Adonai, Amen, Amen.